I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn there to Romans chapter 3. To Romans, the third chapter. I'll begin in a few moments in the 27th verse. Now, I want to remind you that Romans 3 has a lot of things in there. Some of them are a little more delicate, you might say. Delicate things about people being sinners, for instance. Okay, I'm, I, I reference that because in order to get started, I have to confess. Okay, I'm sure I'm the only one here, but I do waste some time on the Internet. <laughs> when I waste time on the Internet, the thing that I just have a hard time turning off are videos of what are called human fails. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Okay? It usually has to do with a young person, usually male, doing something like stacking ladders on top of one another in order to reach something that's a little higher than the one ladder would do. Or some... You know, young male person deciding he's going to dance on the top of a table at a wedding, only to have the table tumble down. And I mean, they're just thing after thing after thing. And it's just like you, you look at one, you think, how could that happen? How could somebody be that stupid? And then you see the next one. And then you see the next one. And I'm just confessing that the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it is true in my case. Now, I think the thing that I enjoy about that is the fact that they're entirely predictable. I mean, you just have to see the first frame and you know exactly what the problem will be. Because life always works the same way. Because we have this thing called the law of gravity. They call it the law of gravity because it's always true. That is the way that the world works. Now, if you're on one of those videos and you tumble down and you didn't want to tumble down, it hurts and you wish that the law was untrue, but it remains true. And the, un- the amazing thing is, it's true here, it's true in South America, it's true in Asia, it's true at the North Pole. Gravity remains constant, and that is the way the world works. You don't negotiate with the law of gravity. You ignore it to your uh, detriment. And you can count on it. This morning, I want to introduce you to a law that is very much the same in the spiritual realm. It's universal. You can count on it. It is true no matter who you are, no matter where you are in the world. And it's what the Bible calls the law of faith. And it's introduced to us here at the end of Romans chapter 3. 
And just like the law of gravity is the way the world works every time, the law of faith is the way that God works every time. It's the way that God always interacts with every person. That's why He calls it the law of faith. So let's, let's look at it beginning in Romans chapter 3, verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And so here we're introduced to the law of faith. It's at the end of verse 27. He, he, he says there, is, there are a couple kinds of laws. There's the law of works, and there's the law of faith. And uh, if you're if you're reading the book of Romans, it is very easy to get confused about the way that he uses the word law. Because up until now, when he's referred to the law, he's referred to the Mosaic law, the, the first five books of the Bible, the, the, the Ten Commandments and their explanations. Ceremonial law of God. And that's until he gets to this section where he asks the question, what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? Or you could say, by what kind of principle? By what kind of way that things operate does it exclude boasting? So he's using law differently here even though it makes our minds flash back to what the Old Testament uh, contains as far as God's righteous decrees. But nonetheless, he's asking now about what principle, upon what principle do we say there is no boasting? Not by, works, not by the law of works, but by the law of faith. So you need to know that's not the way... I mean, he's using the word law... In, in, in terms of a principle, like we use the word law, of, like we use the law of gravity. So it's the same kind of thing here. It's not, you don't get a ticket from gravity for breaking gravity, right? You just don't break gravity. That's the thing. And so it's not legal here, it is practical. The way that this works is the law of faith. This is super important. Because what this means to you is that this is the way. Just like gravity always works on your physical body, the law of faith is what always works in your relationship with God. And that's it. There isn't another way that things work. It's a law of faith. And I, I think we misunderstand that because if you grew up in a church like I did, I mean, my... I, I, I love the little church that I was part of when I was a boy, but 
I misunderstood some things. I was told in vacation Bible school that what I had to do, beyond a shadow of a doubt, was I needed to believe and trust Jesus to be my Savior. And once I did that, okay, then I had to be a good Christian. And so, the beginning was the law or the principle of faith. And then, once I got started, it was the law of works or the principle of being good. Now, it's very likely that you know, some of you anyway interpret religion as being just that. That it's begun by faith because that's what they talk about so much. I must believe in Jesus to be my Savior. And then, afterwards, I better get busy. I want you to see that this law of faith is just as universal as the law of gravity. And it always applies from the beginning to the end. There is no change in some kind of principle. That is it. The law of faith. So I want you to see this from the Scripture. We'll just start in Romans. So if we go to Romans chapter 9... Paul is addressing his countrymen uh, who are Jews, who have everything going for them. They have the law. They have the identity as a people of God. They have uh, this great heritage. And they don't like it that non-Jews can be made right with God so easily. And he says, what should we say then? The Gentiles who did not even pursue righteousness have attained it? That is the righteousness that is by faith. They weren't even trying. They weren't even religious. And they still somehow were made right with God. That's what righteousness means. They were made right with God almost as if by accident. Why? Because they worked on the right principle. The principle of faith. The righteousness that comes by the principle of faith. But that Israel, okay, the Jews, who pursued a law or a principle that would lead to righteousness, okay, stacking your life up against the law and doing your best to keep it, they thought, if I can only be religious enough, if I can only keep this righteous law of God, then I'm going to be made right with God. And what he says is they didn't get it because they couldn't succeed at that by their principle. Their principle did not work. And he says, why didn't it work? Because they were operating off of the wrong principle. They were obeying the wrong law. They thought that there was some other way besides gravity that things worked. There's some other way besides faith that things worked. They did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. Okay? And see, that's what makes those videos funny to me because that's the way that they talk about gravity there. Okay? They'll walk along this you know, tall, long pole you know, and they'll try and defy gravity. They'll try and somehow make it work and then they'll fall off into the mud and they act as if it were by some other principle. But the principle here is by faith, not by works. It's a way that it happens. Then he goes on just in the next few verses to Romans chapter 10 
He says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, or for the Jews, is that they might be saved. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So this is really important. They are sincere. Don't let anybody tell you that sincerity is the key. These people were sincere. They had a zeal for God. And that's more sincere than you and me, generally. But there was a problem. They were zealous for God, but they didn't do it according to knowledge. What didn't they know? I mean, they had the law. They had the prophets. They had Psalms. They had the whole Old Testament. What didn't they know? They didn't know the way that those things mattered. They didn't know the principle by which that God's Word operated. They didn't know the way, or they ignored it, the way that God deals with people. The principle by which He deals with people is by faith. And they thought it was something else. That if they just kept the law, they'd be good. And they were ignorant of the way that God operated. The law of faith. If you go a little farther, in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, you see it again. And, and this is very strong, right? For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And here he's talking about stronger brothers, weaker brothers. Here he's talking about um, ways of relating to questionable things or meat, uh, sacrifice to idols, things that were a problem for them. And whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. I mean, this has all kinds of implications. This has implications for the way that you live your life every day. Because probably a lot of, you do a lot of things, like I do a lot of things, and I don't think about what I'm trusting God for right now. What am I believing is true as I act? I told you a little bit about my, my church when I grew up as a boy. I mean, one, of the, one of the rules we had is that good Christians don't drink. At least that's the way I understood it, okay? And I just want to suggest to you that you can choose to abstain. You, you can choose to abstain from two different principles. This is very important. You can choose to abstain from the principle that good Christians don't drink. From the principle that says, oh no, that's you know, awful. And you don't want to be awful, do you? Okay? Sort of the principle that I got when I was a kid. In other words, by good works. The law of good works. Or you could abstain and say, you know what? What's really important to me is being in control all the time of my thoughts and attitudes and actions. And I know that I am weak and may fail if I, do, if I drink too much. 
So I'm going to abstain so that I might consistently, you know, trust God. Okay, I mean, you may say it differently. It doesn't, didn't say it perfectly right there. But that's a different principle for the same activity. This is, that's my point. My point is you can take the same activity. You can do the opposite. You can be free to, to uh, imbibe for two different reasons. Okay, you can say, I'm going I'm, I'm to drink because, hey, I'm, I'm free and I'm not really trusting in Jesus here. I'm just super happy no one can put restrictions on me. Or you can say, you know what? I really believe that the Scripture say, says God gives all things um, freely to enjoy. That this is part of what God made for us to enjoy. And I'm going to believe Him on that. And I'm going to be responsible, but I'm going to drink. Same person or two people did the same thing for very different reasons. That's, that's the principle I'm after. I'm going to uh, try and bring that up again in a moment. Because this principle is vital for every single decision you make. Are you going to trust God with it, believe God with it, or not? Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So you can do two opposite things, both in sinful ways, or those very same opposite things, in ways that would please God. And you say, oh man, he's making this so complicated. No, I'm just saying there is a guiding principle of faith that you have to have. That's what you have to have. Because whatever's not from that guiding principle of faith is sin. Okay? Here's another way that God says it in Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can love your children and not please God. You can be kind to your neighbor and not please God. You can be generous with your money and not please God. This is crazy, right? Because here are all these things I think I should do. If I don't do them with the principle of faith, I am not pleasing God. This is why this is so important. We are talking about the fundamental law. I don't want you to be one of those eternal human failures because you forgot the principle. The principle is that you must trust God. It has to happen by faith. Now, when I'm talking about faith, I'm simply saying that I'm taking God at His Word. I am trusting that what He says about me, about the way that He saves and relates to people, that all of that is true. I'm simply believing that what He says is true. And without that belief, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And so that's, that's going to be the, the central or core principle here is the principle or the law of faith. Now, what this text tells us is that this law of faith makes a difference in four different ways in our 
lives. The first way that it makes a difference is that it humbles us. A proud Christian is a contradiction. What becomes of our boasting? What becomes of our confidence? What, comes, what becomes of our self-satisfaction? It's out of bounds. It's excluded. I don't have the right to be proud of myself with regard to my own salvation. Why is it out of bounds? Because of the law of faith. It is the way that God works with people that makes me unable to be superior to you. And vice versa. Because I'm humbled that I have to be the receiver. I am not the giver. I am not the one who generates this. I am the receiver and that humbles me. And so I look at life now from a humble frame of reference where I am universally blessed by God not doing things for God so that He in return reciprocates. What becomes of my boasting? It's excluded. Okay, here are a couple of examples or you know, ways that the Scripture builds this idea. It says, who sees anything different in you. What do you have that you did not receive? If you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? Why are you making much of what you have when it's a gift? Why are you not just super thankful to the one who gave it to you? Why would not you not be satisfied in the giver rather than in yourself? So the the point is, I'm going to boast in God who is generous with me, not in myself. So I view life humbly. Here's a way to tell if you're viewing life humbly. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What do you generally talk about? Things that are going great for you? Things you're good at? Things you like? What about your weakness? What about the things you're not so good at? Because it's, it's when you recognize your own weakness that God's grace is sufficient for you. That His power is really the thing that drives you. And then you're operating on this principle. That His grace comes through faith. We started the service with. And so, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to boast really in what I don't have. Not in what I do have. Because it's really there in my weakness that I encounter the strength and power of God. Because that's the way this principle works. So the first thing it does is that it humbles me. The law of faith humbles the Christian. The second thing it does is that it justifies. Now, we talked about this the last few weeks. 
But faith is the, the way that you receive grace from God that makes you right with God. The only way to get right with God is to believe Him. So I'm justified or made right by faith, apart from works of the law. Okay, and there, okay, you'll notice that's a little tricky. He uses works of the law now in the Mosaic sense, in the Old Testament sense. So you have to, you have to do you have to read pretty carefully here. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from trying to earn it through my works of doing God's law. You don't make peace with God by being religious. You don't make peace with God by being a good person. You make peace with God by trusting in God and what He has done for you through Jesus. That's how. That's the principle by which it works. Okay. Since God is one, will He not make right or justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? He's gonna. He's going to justify everyone on the same principle. You are made right with God only one way. This is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Because the only way you are justified is through faith in Jesus. There's one way. But, when you place your faith in Jesus, you are made right with God. And being made right with God is one of the things that this faith accomplishes for you. Okay, So, it humbles and it makes you right with God. Then the, the third thing that the principle of faith does is that it equalizes. It levels the playing field. So that if you... If you are a churchman in the Bible Belt of the United States and your granddaddy went to that church, you have to relate to God by faith. If you are a Buddhist, the other side of the world, you must come to God through faith in Jesus Christ only. There isn't another way. If you are an animist in the jungles of Ecuador, God will save you by faith in a crucified and risen Savior. If you are a Jew, you can have all the advantages in the world. But the only way that you will rightly relate to God is by faith in the Messiah promised in your Scriptures. Fulfilled in the person of Jesus. No other way. This is why the apostles said 
There is only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There aren't different rules. God doesn't work a different way with different people. It's the same. It is a law. It's like gravity works everywhere. This law is the way God works everywhere. By the law of faith. It is the equalizer. So it prevents me from thinking that I'm better. Prevents me from thinking I'm worse. All I have here is the same thing that everybody else has. I have a level playing field before God where I have to stand as a sinner in need of someone else to save me. And so the law of faith is a great equalizer. And then the fourth thing that the law does here is that it, or the, the law of faith does is that it upholds the Old Testament law. So here we're talking now again about um, the law in the Old Testament. Do we overthrow that law? Do we, or do we uphold the law? See, that's what he's talking about. Do we overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. I doubt that this is your first concern in this whole matter. But I assure you that if you were a Jewish Christian in Rome reading this letter for the first time, one of the things that you would hear when he's talking about justification by faith, being made right with God by your faith, apart from your works of the law, you'd say, wait a minute. That's not what they told me in the synagogue. That's not what I grew up believing. What about the law? Are you just completely throwing away the first half of your Bible? Really? I mean, that's, that's his question. Are we overthrowing the law because we, we maintain the principle of relating to God is by faith alone? Are we dismissive of the law? Now, I want to suggest to you that this is This is one of the problems most of us have. Most people who are not crystal clear on justification by faith alone have the problem of overthrowing the law themselves. Okay? They don't do it by faith, but they have to get, they have to get rid of it somehow. Because if the law maintains the holiness of God at an absolute standard, whereby God condemns sinners. And I do my best, but I never quite get there. I always end up watching human fail videos or other, and enjoying them. Okay, that's probably the heart problem. Okay. Or other things more serious, right? Okay. I never get there. Then what? I have to somehow lower the standard, right? I have to somehow lower the law. I have to somehow undermine it so it comes down to my level in order for me to be right with God. That's what people do. They say God can't be that good. So, I mean, or if He is that good, then He's just got to lower the standard a little bit. And most people, rather than maintain the absolute holiness of God, will somehow compromise that 
so that they're good enough. When, in fact, James 4 tells us that if you offend in one point of the law, you're guilty of the whole thing. I mean, God is absolute here. So how? How in the world can God make a sinner right with Himself as right as He is and still not compromise? Okay, if you look back just a couple of verses, you'll see the answer, right? It says He overlooked sins committed beforehand so that He might become just. Okay, God doesn't compromise the standard. He remains just and the justifier of the one who believes. How does He do that? The one who believes. The principle of faith. It is through this principle of faith God is able to uphold His standard in the law and make right the sinner. That's why it's important to be crystal clear on this. Well, how does He do that? What is the mechanism by which He does that? It says that He makes known His righteousness apart from the law. Verse 20. How does that happen? That happens, in Jesus' words, this way. Jesus says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. So to misunderstand, He's dealing with the same objection. You're getting rid of the law. Don't think that I've come to abolish it. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus meets God's standard expressed in the law. It is Jesus who fulfills this law. It's not you and it's not me. Try as we might. It is Jesus. And when Jesus fulfills this law, all of a sudden, somebody has done it. And what God tells us, if you look ahead in chapter 4, okay, there's a very important word in chapter 4. I'm just going to give you a hint about what's coming next week. Okay, The word is counted. God counts the righteousness of Jesus. His upholding of the law, God counts that for me so that as though I had upheld the law. So, I don't compromise the law by uh, saying that there's this principle of faith. I actually uphold it because God remains just or holy and then counts me by virtue of Jesus' righteousness. He counts me as righteous. And so He is just and the One who justifies the one who believes. And so it is not it is not the one who's trying, 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 who's working, 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 that somehow upholds the law because they never make it and they have to expect God's compromise. It is the one who trusts in Jesus who upholds it because Jesus fulfilled it and met God's standard and that is counted for the one who believes. It's actually just beautiful what God does through the person and work of Jesus. And again, this is so practical for you and for me. You take the Old Testament law, okay? 
I appreciate that you're in church here this morning. Okay? I don't know if you've given thought to one of the Ten Commandments keeping the Sabbath and that's why you're here. Maybe. Hmm. Do I keep the Sabbath by going to church? Probably everyone ought to at least think about that. Since it's one of the big ten, right? Well, let's, let's think now about the principle of faith here, okay? This is probably too much. I probably shouldn't do this much with it. You can go to church and say, I'm fulfilling the law of Sabbath. Okay? Or you can go to church out of faith in Jesus. You can do the same thing for different reasons. You can say, God demands that I set aside one day for Him. Or you can say, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. That I find my Sabbath rest, Hebrews, uh, in the book of Hebrews, it says this over and over, in Jesus through faith. The rest that I am after comes from Jesus. I can come here looking for Jesus or looking to please God by my works. Only one of those counts. You must come by Because it's Jesus that fulfilled the law of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the One who made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so we appeal to His righteousness, not our own. Okay, You can skip church for the same reason, right? You can skip church on the principle of works and say, Oh, Jesus freed me from that. I don't have to do things that God says anymore. Okay, you've completely misunderstood the Bible, but you can say that. Okay, or you could say, "I'm I'm working on the principle of faith here, and God, God has freed me in Jesus, but not to be my own boss, not even to claim this day for myself, but that I might do something else, perhaps." in order to submit to Him more fully. There might be that kind of thing. And maybe it's a vacation. okay, So that you can come back and be refreshed and serve better or do something else. The point is, the principle. You can do the same things with the wrong principles. One is wrong and one is right. And so don't think that Jesus has come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And really, it is by this principle that you uphold the law. And so I hope that you recognize that this requires you to trust Jesus. Requires you to take God at His Word when He says, I will satisfy My wrath against you on the cross not because you're trying harder. You've got to believe that. When you believe it, it humbles you. When you believe that, that God is, 
accepts you because of the person of Jesus, not because you're religious enough or good enough. When you're crystal clear about that and that's what you believe, He justifies you and He makes you right with Him. And He puts you on the level playing field with anybody else so you're not above them and you're not below them and you don't expect they're going to get separate rules from you. He equalizes. And then when you really do trust Jesus to be your Savior, when you really do believe that God makes people right because of the rightness of Jesus, not because of their own self-induced rightness, when you believe that, you're actually upholding the righteousness of God and the standards of God, not bringing it down. When you don't believe it, you are bringing it down. And so, the glory of this for us is that we can trust solely in Jesus and be confident that He has perfectly done all that God requires of us and we don't have to wonder if we're going to make it, if we're going to be good enough, if our works of the law will be sufficient. We can simply rest. And so I invite you again this morning, as I've been inviting you and will continue to invite you, to please, please trust in Jesus. Do not trust in yourself. Operate by the principle of faith, not by the principle of works. And Jesus, as I mentioned earlier, invited, made the same invitation to us. This morning, we're going to remind ourselves of that invitation by uh, receiving the Lord's Supper. And uh, it's a memorial Jesus left for us on the, on the night He was betrayed. He had a final supper with His disciples. And he, It was a Passover supper. And He took the bread and He broke it. And He said, this is what's really going to matter. Okay? My body is broken for you. So this is what's really going to matter. This cup is the the new covenant in my blood. I want you to I want you to trust in me, not in yourself. It's a, it's ultimately he set us this reminder of the Lord's Supper, so that we would remember it's it's His work, not ours, that saves us. And so, in just a moment. Uh, musicians are going to come. We're going to sing. And during that song, I would invite you to get up out of your seat and uh, either come to the two tables in the front or the two in the back and uh, get the communion elements and return to your seat and we'll all participate uh, together in uh, just a moment. But uh, again, I want to invite you to do that if you're a believer in Jesus. If you, have, if you are operating on this principle of faith. If you're, if you're not sure you are, it's okay for you to just let this go by and not participate in this part of the service. But rather, it would be better still if you would say, you know what? I really don't like the way that I'm not sure if I'm good enough. If God is pleased with me. I'm just not sure. I'm not happy that I'm not sure. So instead... 
I'm going to operate on the principle of faith. I'm going to trust Jesus. And so that's, that's the invitation to you to believe in Jesus. And if you're a believer in Christ, by all means, participate with us. If you're not, we're glad you're here. Feel free not to participate. But I'm going to pray and then we'll sing and you can get the elements and we'll celebrate together in a moment.